are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Have you ever been there? where you just fear the worst thing is going to happen. You deserve it. The outcome doesn't look very promising. And then all of a sudden, the hand of grace is extended. And it's like, man, I can't believe the freedom that I've experienced. I can't believe the blessing that I just received. This series that we're currently in started out by asking ourselves some pretty tough questions, didn't it? And it all began with, are we fans or are we followers of Jesus Christ? We need to take a serious look at our lives. We need to define our relationship with Christ. Because when we are serving Christ, it's not, it's not a halfway thing. It's becoming completely committed, hardcore followers of Jesus Christ, which we learn will cost us absolutely everything. Today I want to look at rules that we've established over the years in churches and institutions to see if perhaps some of their traditions are empowering or some of them perhaps are life-draining. Let me start this morning with a story. A story that I read this week that I personally have not experienced that I've heard similar stories throughout the body of Christ. It reads, I remember a girl in high school who graduated maybe a year or two ahead of me. She got pregnant when she was 16 or 17 years old. We lived in a pretty small town, and the church we went to wasn't that big of a church. So news of the pregnancy spread quickly. For a while, she kept coming to church, and even though she was showing, but some of the parents had a problem with this because they didn't want their kids to be seen with a teenager who was pregnant. I remember one Sunday morning sitting in the sanctuary. I think I would have been about 15 at the time. And there were two moms sitting in the pews right in front of me. And this girl, quite pregnant now, at this point walked into the sanctuary. One mom leaned over the other mom and says, I can't believe she came in here in a condition like that. I don't remember seeing her there after that weekend. What brought this story to my mind is I recently became Facebook friends with this girl. And on Facebook, there's an information page where you can tell a little bit about yourself, give favorite movies and books and that kind of thing. There's one section there that lists your favorite quotes. And I noticed that her favorite quote, some 16, 17 years later, and it comes from Gandhi. It says, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. You Christians are so unlike your Christ. That truly is an ouch. Yet it reminds me of a story in John chapter 8. See, in John chapter 8, there was a lady who was caught in the very act of adultery. And if if we just close our eyes and we picture that, you can see this angry mob that is forming. You can see these people who are just out to be able to, 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 to trick Jesus, to be able to get Jesus. And they grab this girl and parade her through the streets, probably wearing nothing but a bed sheet. And they throw her down in the dirt. And they come before Jesus and says, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. The law says that we should stone her. The law says that she has sinned and her life is ended. What do you say, Jesus? How do you, how should you answer to this question? This was a pushy move by the religious leaders. 
They use rules to try to trap Jesus. Rules can do that to us, can't they? They can turn us into an angry mob of sorts. Now, we not, might not form together and pray to sinner around town, but do we huddle in those whispering corners, drop someone's name to everyone that we talk about? Please understand, God's Word provides guidance and commandments. And those commandments, those laws, they're there for a reason. We reap what we sow. Those laws teach us that, that you know what, this is, sometimes we come and say, Lord, what, this is not fair, uh, fair, Lord. Why is this happening to me? And it's because of lifestyle choices that we have made. And yet if we're honest, I wonder if any one of us can follow all the laws perfectly. I wonder if every one of us, any one of us, can stand in that place where we say, God, I've kept all your laws. I've kept all your commandments, Lord. I have not broke one. I don't think so. But the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some people, very famous people, have fallen very publicly. Yet others have failed privately. And when we overemphasize following the rules, we can get people thinking we've got it all figured out. We can get people thinking that they shouldn't share their struggles with us because we are so perfect. And that's this morning was what I would like to address. I wonder if sometimes Christians can be a lot more like the Pharisees and the religious leaders than more like our Messiah. You know that ending up using the rules to rationalize how we treat others in the church, especially newcomers or those whose sins are very difficult to be able to hide. I think this happens often, perhaps unintentionally. Christians like these, we mean well. We say things like, well, we're just keeping the standard high. We want to make sure that we maintain a certain level of excellence. So they make it hard for people to come to God. See, if you want to come to God then you've got to follow all these rules that we've established just to make sure that only the people who are really, really serious get in. But in the end, these well-meaning believers end up creating a list of rules that wear out and frustrate new believers. Rules hold all kinds of different implications, don't they? I find that number one, rules can be cumbersome. For example, when I went off to Bible college, I, was, uh, I graduated from high school at however old you're, high school, 18, I think, and I went to uh, Sheridan College for, for a year, and I, and I did uh, uh, business in, in, in Sheridan College. I majored in marketing. And then when I really sensed I was, that was my Jonah year, and I was running from the Lord, I, I decided that I wanted to be able to go to Bible college and serve the Lord with all my heart. So I flew out to Alberta, and, and I'm not going to get into my testimony. It was just amazing stories how God opened up doors for me. I had no money, and God provided. I didn't want to take out a loan, and God provided. And it was just so amazing what the Lord did. But you see, when I went into my very first day in school, I went in, and I sat down in the, in the, in the chapel, and I had one of the college professors come up to me and says, uh, Brother, I see you wearing an earring. I'm like, Yeah. He says, that's not in our policy, son. You've got to take that out. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I took out my earring. 
And then I realized that every single Wednesday, we had to, Wednesdays were our chapel days, and we had to dress up, and we had to wear our suits, and we had to wear ties. And I came out here with, with like nothing. It's like, Lord, I had to go to Goodwill, and I bought a bunch of ties and stuff just to be able to wear that for chapel so I'd be allowed into chapel. Girls had to wear skirts that were longer than the knee. Guys had to dress up, and if that wasn't the case, then you know what? When we would show up, we'd be sent home and said, no, you're not allowed in here unless you follow the rules. Once I graduated from school, things were even, the, the rules were even more stringent. Back when probably when Hayward was in school, you had to dress up every single day to be able to go to school. But then once I graduated from college, I re-pierced my ear, and I was so excited, and I got lined up for my, for, to get my diploma, and that same teacher walked up and says, Brother, I see you got your earring back in. I said, yeah, school's done now. He says, you are not allowed to walk down that aisle and get your diploma if you have that earring in. I'm like, man, I had to take it out again. See, I don't have a problem with rules. We all have rules at work, at school, at home, in life. But when there's so many small rules, and what happens is people start to associate the rules with Christianity. And I've seen people give up because they just don't fit in to what it meant to be a Christian. Somehow they've gotten the idea that following those rules is what made them a Christian and they feel like they just can't fit in. Perhaps they, they were tattooed or they had their ears pierced or maybe they wore makeup. So here we have this woman in John chapter 8. She's looking down. She's humiliated. She's guilty. She's ashamed. She's been caught breaking the rules. And this may be the day that breaking the rules ends her life. Costs her everything. What does Jesus do? Jesus kneels down and he starts to write in the sand. See, we don't know what Jesus was writing. See, a lot of the commentaries think that he just started to write down the sins of the people who were standing with him. A lot of ladies that I speak to, they think that he was writing, where's the man? takes two to tango but only this woman was here who knows what he was writing but all we know that she was caught in the very act of adultery they know that they caught her and they caught jesus by surprise and they were ready to hear what he had to say whether he would submit to the law of the letter they're waiting for him to shrug his shoulders and say well those are the rules but finally jesus gets up he looks at these spiritual leaders and he says, if any one of you is without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, these bullies start dropping their stones and walking away. But then, Jesus says to this woman, woman where are your accusers? See, when he asked her that question, there was still one standing there who had the right to pick up a stone and stone her. There was still one there, and perhaps she was thinking that I'm still in big trouble because Jesus is here. So she says, they're gone. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. It totally blows my mind about the grace of God. Just, I, I, I can picture the tenderness in Jesus. Neither do I condemn you. Man, thank you, Lord. Number two, 
Rules don't inspire grace. See, Cindy and I have implemented into our household a system. See, discipline's part of being a dad, isn't it? And discipline's part of being a mom, and it's part of life. But we wanted to be able to do something for our kids where they understand that, you know what, dad is not all judgment and discipline, but there's also that, that grace side of the Lord. So we wanted to be able to show our kids that. So we, on, on, um, on special occasions, their birthday and Christmas, every year we give them a little card that is the, it's the gold ticket. And it says something like, get out of jail free. And dad signs it, and I give it to the kids, and when they get it, that is one of their most coveted gifts. And they take that, and they know that whatever they do, once they hand in that card, it's done. There's no punishment. There's no more discussion about it. They just, I just give them a hug and say, you know what? Thank you, and I do a little teaching on grace. Isn't it amazing that as we as Christians get the grace of the Lord, and this is what it's like with Jesus when we ask forgiveness. He says, our sins are thrown away as far as the east is the west. So whatever you did, whatever you were going to get your punishment for, it is null and void. It is done never to be remembered again. And we walk in that place, and the kids love these cards. And then, you know, I, I just found that they, were only, they only got them twice a year, birthdays and Christmas, and now we're just looking to expand that a little bit. That it's not like every week they get a card, but it's still got to be that precious thing. But yet there's times where, where when we see them doing something that is just kind of like, man, that is so cool. You know, when, when Lucas was, was over at Jesse's house and, and downstairs with all those kids, he says, you know what, my dad told me that I'm not shy, I'm bold. He got a card for that. It's kind of like, son, I'm so proud of you because you're walking in what the Lord has for you. When all of a sudden they step into this thing, it's kind of like, here's a card. Bless you guys. And then as a dad, we don't like to punish, do we? And as a dad, you know what it is. You walk in the room and there's that little kid sitting on their bed crying and you're like, how am I going to do this? And when they got that little card in their hand and they say, here, dad, it is the most powerful thing that can happen. But imagine if the kids were so involved in rules, they were so encompassed in the rules, that whatever they did, whatever, whatever kind of sin, whatever kind of mistake that they made, they're sitting on their bed, dad comes in, they're crying, and dad's like, okay, what am I going to do with this kid? How am I going to discipline this? And I walk in the room and they got their card and it's kind of like, okay, they're going to present the card and they give me the card and I'm like, okay, guys, and I take the card and I rip it up and I said, this, you guys, it's forgiven, it's done. I talk about grace, I talk, tell about what I share with you and they turn to me and say, dad, I understand grace. But I deserve this punishment, and even though I gave you the card, I still want you to carry out the punishment because I deserve it. I did the, 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 the crime, and I'm not going to be able to learn my lesson unless you spank my bum right at this very moment, Dad. And I say, well, if that's what you want, does that make any sense? It doesn't. But yet, do we do that with Jesus? Do we walk in that place when grace is extended, but we still walk around with that, clo- that cloud of heaviness saying, you know what, I sin, I'm falling short of the glory of God. Oh, God's so mad at me. Oh, I can't believe I did this again and again and again and again. See, fans say, I'm not taking any handouts. I can do this on my own. And fans spend their lives carrying around the burden of religion. 
And the grace of Jesus, that same grace that saved the woman from being stoned, calls to those who've been hauling around a long list of rules and rituals and obligations. And Jesus calls those who, try, who are tired of pretending to be more than they are. He calls to those who've had the guilt and fear of religion, wear, wear them down. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know your stories. I don't know what your backgrounds are. Maybe you grew up in a home where you're taught all about Jesus. You went to church on the weekends and Christian camps in the summer. You learned to fear Jesus, so you kept as many rules as you could, just hoping that you wouldn't go to hell. And when you would sin, you would feel so guilty, wondering if you were good enough, and you were taught to observe these different religious traditions and rule-keeping. But somehow you never really fell in love with Jesus. You slipped into that place of becoming a fan without even realizing it. Because when you come into a situation in which rules take precedence over love and grace, it's hard to fall in love. Think about it. When I got married with my wife, just like you guys got married, there were some rules attached to the ceremony, weren't there? There were some vows that took place. There were some spoken rules at the altar, and as we grow in our relationship with our spouses, there's some unspoken rules too, isn't there? I promise, Cindy, to be faithful as long as we both shall live. I promise to provide for you. I'm going to meet your needs. I promise to comfort you, to be committed to you for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others till death do you part. Those were the vows that I made before the Lord. Those were the rules that we established in our relationship. Want to know some of the unwritten rules that I've learned as being a husband? I've learned number one, on any trip that takes us out of town, I must stop at Tim Hortons, no matter how long the lineup. I've learned number two, that I'm not to make fun of Cindy before 10 o'clock a.m. At 10.01, we're cool. And I've learned number three, that I need to be able to vocalize what I'm thinking. That's a tough one sometimes. To be able to speak out loud. If I saw a relationship with Cindy, if I walked in that relationship with my spouse as a bunch of rules that I had to keep, I wouldn't be very happy of a husband, would I? But because I love my wife, I find joy in being a good husband. You know what? I find so much joy that I've been saving up air miles and and, and working in that place. And I hit around the 8,000 air miles and there was a TV that I was looking at. 55-inch TV that was just over 8,000 air miles. And I'm like, baby, that TV's coming. We got a TV that was given to us. It's one of those old rear projection TVs. You got to sit right in front of it or it's black. So I'm like, I can't wait to be able to get this new TV. And I was saving for it and saving for it and saving for it. And all of a sudden, Cindy's coffee machine went down. And I saw a coffee maker that makes cappuccinos and espressos and all this kind of stuff. And it was 8,000 air miles. And I'm just like, ah. All right, I'll get the coffee machine. And we got the coffee machine. And every day she's just like, Lance, oh, I love this coffee machine. This is the best coffee. Lance, thank you for giving up your TV for my coffee machine. It's like, you're welcome. I would do anything for Cindy. And so doing dishes or putting the lid down on the toilet or other extravagant acts of sacrifice 
are a joy for me. Most of the time. In the end, the grace and the love of God frees us. It inspires us to live for Him. Augustine said, Who can be good if not made so by loving? Love God. Do as you please. He could say that because he knew that when you love God, you will want to please God. But your priority, your emphasis, your focus has to be on loving God. It has to be about the relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, it just won't work. I've shared this before, and I'm going to share it again if there's new people here. You know, I I went on a plane, and I was flying back to Toronto one time, and I was so excited because I got the bulkhead. The bulkhead is a a plane that gives you a little bit more leg room, and it's just, I hate plane seats. I just, oh, they're just awful. So I'm just kind of all happy, and I, I go into this plane, and when I got to my seat, it was right beside the emergency exit, which was my favorite place to sit, but the emergency exit, it was like the slide was on the inside of the plane. So it's like they had this, the, the emergency exit door was here, but they had this big panel that was uh, protruding out from this door. And when I sat down, I couldn't even put my, my foot down on the floor because I had to sort of sit like with my one leg up just to be able to get my knee in there. And I'm like, oh, man. But if I turned sideways and leaned towards the chair in the middle, I was okay. You know, because I could kind of sit like this and, and, and sit turned. I'm like, this is going to be a long, it was a four-hour flight from, uh, uh, from Toronto to, back to uh, Calgary. And I was kind of sitting like this. I'm like, okay, this is going to be all right. But then all of a sudden, the plane's getting ready to leave, and the last guy comes in, and he's a big, big man. And he's looking at the seats, and then he looks, and he stops by you, and he looks up, and you're like, no, no, please, no, please, please, no, please, not, not a big guy, not a big guy. And then he sits down beside you, and now I'm squished over, like, he's sitting over on my seat, and I know when I'm beside people on planes, I do the same thing, I'm sorry, but... He sits down, and I'm kind of sitting like this with my leg back up, and I'm like, four hours, i got to stay like this. I can't physically put my leg down on the ground. So I look out the window, and I am mad. I'm just like, my, my joyous day has turned into something that I am fuming about. And I'm looking out the window, and this guy is a talker. He wants to talk. So he, he leans over to me, and he says, nice day, hey? And I'm like, uh-huh, are you serious? It's the worst day of my life! So he's, nice day, hey. I'm like, yeah. And I look back out the window. He's like, so uh, where are you live at, do you live in Calgary? Or do you live in Toronto? Calgary. And I'm trying to give him the one-word an- answers. I'm trying to let him know, I don't want to talk to you. I hate you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he says to me that, that question that I hate. So what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, Lord, how am I going to get out of this one? So I turned to him, I said, well, I'm an international spy, you know. I said, I'm a pastor. He says, really? And he's got me now. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, like, what am I going to do? He says, you know what, I hate religion. And I turned to him, and I said, you know what, that's awesome, because I do too. He says, you can't say that, you're a pastor. I said, no, 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 I hate religion. And before he could go there, I said, religion has caused more wars, it's caused more strife, it's caused more stuff that the world doesn't need religion. I said, what the world needs is relationship. And then I went into about having a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. My friends, that is what it's about. 
walking in that place of a relationship with Jesus, walking in that place where we know our Savior. It's not like God is that God with a stick that as soon as we get out of line, he's ready to beat us. He's ready to make us submit. You know what? He puts us into the, that submission move where we, where we have to tap out and say, God, I'll do what you want. Just don't kill me, Lord. Number three, rules don't keep us around. I want to say this very carefully and clearly. When our kids, 80%, over 80% of our people here at, at Cold Lake Community Church are young families with young kids. We have an amazing opportunity to be able to, to shape the next generation. When our kids growing up, if they define Christianity as keeping a moral code instead of defining Christianity as being a follower of Jesus Christ, then they will walk away from both. We think, well, I've got to make sure that they understand these rules, these moral obligations of being a Christian. And well, that's true, I'm telling you, if they define Christianity that way, of, instead of defining Christianity as following Jesus, they will walk away from both. They will walk away from Jesus and the moral code. We must define Christianity first and foremost as the following of Jesus Christ. We cannot expect to recruit the world to, set up, uh, to a set of standards that we would never live up to or follow by ourselves. It's about a love relationship, a relationship with Jesus. They're not going to get on board with that unless it's because they know Jesus personally. It must be first and foremost be about, about following Christ. I read this clipping from a church in the States and I thought that I would share this with you today. It said, I received a note from one of our volunteers recently. She volunteers in our Welcome Center, which is our information booth, our Action Central, and she told me about an encounter with a visitor. It was her first time at Southeast, and here's what that volunteer wrote. It was about five minutes until the service started, and a young woman, probably in her late 20s, maybe early 30s, walked in with her fifth grade son, and she approached me with a kind of deer-in-the-headlight look. She had never been here before and was very nervous. I took her to the check-in counter for her son's class, and on the way there, she leaned over and she told me that she'd gotten divorced six years ago. And after she, she got divorced, she was no longer welcome at the church that she had gone to. She hadn't been to church since, and you could just hear the guilt in her voice, and she was terribly nervous. I shared with her that I had been divorced and I was a single mom, and I knew how tough that was. And once her son was in class, I asked her if she wanted me to sit with her in the worship service. Upon hearing my invitation, she asked, am I allowed to go into the sanctuary since I'm not a member? And I told her she was. When we got to our seats, the service had already started, and everyone was standing and singing. And after the song, the young man who was leading worship prayed, and the first words that came out of her mouth were this, God Thank you that no matter where our paths have taken us, in life you can redeem us and you can forgive us. With that, tears started to flow down her cheeks. Uh, and I really didn't stop, and they didn't stop throughout the entire service. I could just see the fear and the guilt start to melt away. Her body language went from tense and frightened to calm and excited. And as we were standing for a few worship songs, at the end of the service, she appeared a bit antsy. I assumed that she was probably ready to leave and to go pick up her son. So I turned to her and asked if she was ready to leave. But before I had a chance, she opened her mouth and said, do I need to walk down to the front there? 
and talk to the pastor if I want to join your church? I said, yeah, you do. Do you want me to take you? And she walked down with me, with her, and she said yes. So we walked down to the front. The pastor then picks up the story here, and then he writes, I can tell you the rest of the story because I greeted her right down front. She leaned forward and she whispered into my ear, I went through a divorce a few years ago, and my other church wouldn't have me. It was really more of a question than a statement. And I said, I'm so sorry. We would love to have you. My friends, team, would you come? I don't know what your story is. I don't know your religious background. I don't know what your thoughts are on Christianity. I don't know what your relationship is with Jesus Christ. But here at Coley Community Church, we want you. We want, uh, this is a place where families come together. We are not a perfect church. We don't walk in that place like, you know, excellence is important. It's important to be able to, to give our best to the Lord and be able to do that. But you know what? In real life, we just mess up, don't we? And that is the church that we're trying to build. A church of people who have a past, a church of people who, who have frustrations, a church that doesn't have all the answers. But yet we want to introduce you to the one that does. We want to introduce you to the one who can take the past, eradicate it where we can step into a, a new walk with Christ that we've never seen or never walked in before. We want to introduce you to Jesus Christ. These these little things like ancient pasts and these encounter sessions, man, the healings that have taken place have been just absolutely monumental in people's walk with the Lord. Imagine a church filled with people without hindrances. Imagine a church filled with people who are passionately following the Lord. Imagine a church of people that are stepping into the destiny that God has for them because they walk in relationship with the one who is just totally crazy about you. We're going to make mistakes. Hey, we're going to tick you right off. But there's grace. And I just encourage you as the band leads us in worship this morning, that as the band leads us just to get lost in the presence of Jesus today. If you were raised in a household that you really do fear the Lord, you step in that place where you know that if you just walk out of line that he's going to get you. That's a misrepresentation of Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because he took a woman who was destined to die. The religious leaders threw her in the dirt and said, come on, the law says kill her. The law says stoner. What do you say? And he said, he who is out sin cast the first stone. 
and just silently I could see the Pharisees just looking like, what are we going to do? Is anyone without sin? Come on, throw the first stone because the second one is ready to go. I'm with you. Just someone throw the first stone. Someone do it. And as the time went on, I think they just got frustrated and said, you know what? And they dropped the stones and they walked away. Where are your accusers this morning? They're gone. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. You know what? The truth of the matter is, there are some principles in the Bible. There are some rules in the Bible that the Lord wants us to follow. And he wants us to follow that because he loves us. And when we stumble and we trip and we fall and we don't follow him, he picks us up again. And he said, you know what? Your life would be better if you had to chose this path. It would have been healthier if you had to walk down this, this vein. But I love you. I'm crazy about you. That's Jesus. You know, I've said this before, but my life I've struggled with weight loss and I've struggled with all this kind of stuff, kind of the whole Oprah Winfrey thing, fat, thin, fat, thin, fat, thin, you know? And all of a sudden, I went to the doctor tomorrow, and I said, you know what? I went to the doctor, and he says, you know, Lance, you've got diabetes or something like that. I can step before the Lord and say, God, would you heal me? And again, there's grace and there's healing, but you know what? It's the lifestyle that I've chosen to walk in. And I can't blame God and say, God, this is not fair. You brought this upon me. Because I made some choices in my life that got me to that place but yet there's forgiveness and there's grace and he's crazy about me. And you know what? He's got some things. He's just like, Lance, I got better things for you. Will you walk in them? It's a choice that I have to make. And each one of us here, we all have our own hang-ups. We all have our own issues. We all have our own items where we need to get to the place and say, God, I surrender all. Lord, I want what you want from my life. I want to step into that place that you're calling me. And it starts out with relationship where we know who Jesus is. Will you stand? We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.